When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. There is nobody that has more of an impact on how the world consumes news than Brian Kilmeade. And I don't think there's anybody that works harder uh, than Brian Kilmeade. He must have an extra four or five hours in his day because uh, how he's able to accomplish what he's able to accomplish is beyond me. Uh, Brian Kilmeade is a New York Times bestselling author, the co-host of Fox and Friends on Fox News, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host heard on WABC every morning from uh, 10 a.m. to noon. And now hosts a new show on uh, the weekend, One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Brian, are you you a vacation guy at all? Are you planning a summer vacation to recharge your batteries or anything like that? Not right now. I mean, I'll take a couple of days here, a couple of days there. Uh, But it's with my family right now, at the ages they are, it's hard to get everybody together. So I'm not uh, two weeks. I'll see you in two weeks. Um, (laughs) Last time I did that... um, I end up you end up coming back early. There's uh, invariably something happens in our in our world. So uh, right now I have no uh, plans for that. And when the girls start playing college soccer, uh, I'm going to keep my whole fall relatively open. So I might have to take a day here and there. Uh, how how close are they to playing college soccer? They are. They're both playing. One's a one's a senior this year, and the other one is going to be a sophomore. Uh, that's tremendous. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, so and you, upstate New York. You, you were a college soccer player, right? Yeah, I played over at Post, Long Island University, Division Two, average at best, but uh, played really <laughs> since I was five. Well, no, that's tremendous. I even saw a, a photograph on Twitter of uh, your new dog, Willow, with a soccer ball. Uh, so what kind of dog is Willow? She's a, a, a puppy now, right? But what kind of dog is she? Yeah, uh, 14 weeks, Great Pyrenees. And, you know, we have two others. One's deaf, one's got bad knees, and we just thought... We had an opportunity to get this other one, and it's already been woven in pretty effectively. We'll see if we can get through the puppy stage before the girls go back to school. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to have a puppy in the house. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we broke the news right before you came on, Brian, that uh, it looks like the BBC is reporting anyway that uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is going to announce his resignation today. Now, what's interesting to me is Boris Johnson sort of came on the stage um, at a time when it seemed like all the world was moving towards populists, you know, in whether it's uh, left-wing populist, right-wing populist, or even some might call Macron kind of a centrist populist. It seems like folks around the world where they get to vote are, were rejecting everything that the establishment was uh, was putting forward for the last 20, 30 years. Now that it looks like Johnson is off the world stage, what do you think that portends for the future of the world populist movement, if anything? Well, a couple of things. Is he officially gone yet? I mean, it, I mean, he's in trouble. He lost two more aides. But this is all self-inflicted. Mm. It's not as if they looked at his policies and said, well, you know, we just think the taxes are too high and, 
you know, um, he's more into rallies than actual work. If this guy is out, it is this guy's having parties while he shut down his whole country, then denied he's had it, then pictures emerge of him drinking at a party. Then he says, well, you know, I was upstairs studying while they were partying uh, at the presidential house. So he's upstairs, the prime minister's house. And then he's upstairs like, yeah, I really don't have anything to do with it. Then pictures emerge of him uh, drinking. He's like, all right, I apologize. Well, then he goes and strong arms some uh, serial harasser uh, into a position, and the guy's harassing women again in his cabinet. So he has two key cabinet ministers resign. He also has brother resign. So, I mean, this is a guy that there's really even no heir apparent. You know, I'm not uh, – I can't bring you inside the U.K., but there's usually somebody waiting in the wings that you kind of hear about, the mayor of London or somebody that seems to have a lot of charisma, the Dave Cameron followed uh, – Tony Blair, and in between, um, you know, there was um, there was uh, Teresa, and I forgot her last name, but she May, was the kind of May. yeah, Teresa May, and she was kind of the okay, she was next, not much charisma, but she's she's been there. Who's next after Boris? Yeah, Johnson? well, it's a great question, and I, as you said, I don't think there is a uh, a uh, an heir apparent. I, I know um, you know Nigel Farage, who's sort of been one of the conservative critics of Boris Johnson, he, a regular on uh, on Fox News, certainly. He has said that uh, this whole episode with Boris Johnson has made uh, the British government a, a, an international laughing stock. Do you think that's the case? A little bit. I mean, no doubt you need leadership, and they've been great on the war in Ukraine. Uh, he's been aggressive. He, uh, I think he's been a good friend to the U.S. I mean, he kind of turned on Trump at the end. But, you know, Trump was about to give him a U.K.-U.S. Uh, trade agreement, but this and this current president is not. So, you know, I, I think in a way he has been. Number one is the way he holds himself. He's out there and he's flamboyant. And you look at these stories – and I do watch a lot of the BBC, Frank, at the hours we have. Right, it, exactly. it really comes in handy <laughs> no, because no you know, they're covering the world events and they're covering the U.S. pretty effectively. So and I do see that. I mean, the, the stories they have don't even have an other side. The guy comes out, he does everything I just mentioned, and then he's like, well, all right, you got me. But you don't want to lose me, do you? Right. I mean, that's pretty much it. It, it worked for Gavin Newsom, I guess, right? And a couple yeah, of I mean, others. But, yeah, Gavin Newsom's another one. I mean, I think it's unbelievable that this guy's taking out ads in Florida. Uh, this guy is uh, trolling Governor DeSantis, says, please come to California, when he blew the best, maybe the the state with the most to offer in the country. And he, he made high taxes, made homeless a priority. He shut everybody down uh, horrifically. He uh, starved small business owners indifferently. He got his his families go to a private school in person while he shut down every public school, gets caused at the French Laundry, uh, eating out to dinner when he banned everything else and hurt small business. Then he gets caught at a Laker game. Everyone's got to wear a mask. If you're going to go out, he's taking pictures of Magic Johnson. They post it on social media. He's got no mask on. Then he tells everybody, you better not go to these 22 states because they don't have good LGBTQT whatever rights. And he's caught fishing in Montana. That's one of the places he told everyone. Right, in right. It's one of the states banned. that's banned. It's it's really it's laughable. But uh, you know, again, it may not work for uh, Boris, but at least it's working for for Gavin Newsom for whatever it's worth. Hey, uh, one of the sad stories that uh, obviously you've been covering a great deal uh, was the Highland Park shooting on uh, on July fourth. This uh, disturbed twenty uh, two year old uh, young man. Um, w- had been posting all these disturbing videos on social media, 
essentially looking like uh, uh, very much living out a fantasy of committing a school shooting. And now um, his father, who ran for mayor of Highland Park before, has come out and said that he feels bad, but this is not his fault. A two-part question on this, Brian. One, some people are using this episode as uh, another call for social media companies to have greater regulation of what what gets posted on there. And a lot of people are saying that the father is at least somewhat culpable here. What's your take on both? I, I, you know what, for our, you know, we are subjected to what we know, but from what I know, and the parent says, I'm proudly going to walk down the street. I lived here my whole life. I don't plan on going anywhere. He gets a, the R. Kelly uh, lawyer that's going to defend him. He says, I hope my son gets a long sentence, but I'll appear at all his court appearances. He had no signs of this or little signs of this. Really? They took a, a dozen different knives and machetes, a dagger out of your house. You signed off on a gun for him. He said he was only going to use it as target practice when you know it. Two separate incidents, minimum that we know about. He's shown violence and threatened to wipe out the family. I mean, to me, this guy, if there's ever a parent culpable, he better be willing. You know, maybe there's another side to the story. I, his defense is arrogance. And the fact is, yeah, me and my son were talking Monday about this Danish shooter, how he's really bad for gun rights when you have these mass shootings going on in Denmark. And the next thing you know, he's he's one of the mass shooters. Oh, well, you signed off on his gun license to allow him to get all these firearms. You see what he's obsessing. Look at some of his online things. He's building these little houses. Right. And his, he's no, it's, his it's really disturbing. It's incredibly disturbing. I, I really think his, his dad, if you're ever going to charge a parent, I think this guy is the guy. Uh, it really, I mean, you talk about an abdication of responsibility as a parent. It's difficult to see how it gets worse than this. Uh, I know a lot of folks uh, did spend a lot of time over the 4th of July holiday uh, when they needed to cool off or if they were in areas where there was rain, catching up on the Fox Nation special, What Made <laughs> America Great. And uh, these really are terrific specials, and I really hadn't seen them prior to last week. But you get into the history of oil. You get into the history of the car. One of the things that I found really fascinating was when you took a trip to Los Angeles, you did something on the history of Hollywood. Now, a lot of people that like celebrating America, these days they really like coming down on Hollywood. So maybe it's easy for people to forget how integral Hollywood was into the building up of uh, the American culture and the American myth. For people that haven't seen uh, this uh, Fox Nation special, why was Hollywood so integral to making America great? I mean, it's marketing. Number one, people want to be entertained. And the way we have it, Thomas Edison invents a film. And everybody that was trying to do their own films after he has this technology, he was suing them. He's like, I am the guy. I, I invented it. I'll make all the movies. So they literally went across the country to get away from Thomas Edison. And they end up in California. And I go to the Hollywood sign. I start there. And you just see how they pick out this um, Century City property. And then uh, William Fox ends up picking it out and and bringing uh, movies to another level. And instead, just like you, the Yankees might be signing free agents, they were signing the biggest and best uh, singers and actors. And, and and nobody's done more than Shirley Temple to move Fox forward. They sign her up, even though she's, I think, nine, ten years old, or seven, eight, nine years old. 
and you really see it was treated like royalty. But they weren't getting involved in politics. You know, for when this all started, they were looking to entertain, and everybody wanted a part of it. So if you're looking to sell America, you sell movies. We do it better than anybody else. So when you're in a small town in France or a big city in Germany, you go, what is this about America? You look in Central and South America as they're struggling for the basic needs, and you finally get a film. You look up, you go, what? There's got to be something special about America. And that began the sales, the effective sales, not only our history, but we're producing. We still lead the world. So I just thought that would be important. History of the car, obviously, not only does it make our lives better, it, may, it allows us to travel, to see what Henry Ford did. We had a chance, Frank, to go electric or gas. We had the same technology at the same exact time. We won gas. And we just left the, the electric vehicle behind until now. So I'd be able to go to the Ford Museum and see what this guy mm. did with uh, Pure Force. His mentor was Thomas Edison. You know, it's just amazing what what it was like in America back then. It is pretty much that pioneer spirit that brought us from east to west. It's the same thing that brought us to global fame and effectiveness. And to see everybody turn it all over for the war. Okay, I'm, I'm building cars. Uh, excuse me, there's a war. Okay, why don't you take over my, um, you know, Ford would say, why don't you take over my factories? I'll make whatever you can. Just give me a, a, a government contract, and when it's done, he has this brand-new facility, and now an thing you know, to be able to mass-produce and give cars. So when the world looks around and says, we've got the best movies, we've got the best technology, we've got the best business people, and now we've got the best vehicle uh, mode of transportation, the best airlines, this didn't happen by mistake. This is the American spirit. So I did, I've done 44 of these. But this is uh, between the history of oil and gas, between the history of Hollywood, the history of automobile, the history of law enforcement. You realize what we've done because there's no real law enforcement around the country. Mm -hmm. Hey, you'll be like, you and I, Frank, would have a tough time doing it. But most people, if they're nine to fivers, would say, hey, guys, uh, one of us has got to be a cop tonight. And you would, you would just patrol for free. It was volunteer. And then when things started coming, the country starts filling up. Uh, FDR, they, uh, people, uh, for example, in New York, everyone had to be Irish if you wanted to be a cop, just like the stereotype. And the cops were getting paid off. They were drinking on the job. No one had any certain shifts. Uh, the jails were just raucous party areas. Everyone had different types of guns. No one had uniforms. Immigrants were treated terribly. In comes Teddy Roosevelt, set up a structure, set up a uniform, set up shifts. He would patrol the patrol at night. Uh, he would organize and put them through an academy. And I'm able to just to see how law enforcement got its roots. Mm. So I just thought these are poor Absolutely. America's no, That's great. And it's available on Fox Nation if people haven't seen that, uh, seen that yet. Hey, uh, it's looking more and more like President Trump is going to announce a next run for the presidency. Could even happen before the midterm elections. Um, what's your prediction? Do you think he does make this run and do you think he announces before the midterms? Well, I talked to, you know, I would yesterday, if you asked me that question, I would say, yeah. But I just talked to someone who was in contact with him within the last 48 hours. And they told him uh, there's a part of him that he, he kind of wants to run, but there's too many things up in the air right now. So I I'm, doesn't look like from what he told me, and this guy knows President Trump as well as anybody, he he has not. He, he, there's too many things going on, and hmm. whether they meant Georgia, whether they meant the one six committee, whether it's something in his private business, whether it's the New York AG and the testimony that's coming straight his way, I'm not sure. But I mean, he liked to run. But if you see what Governor DeSantis is doing now, 
I don't know if DeSantis gets in if Trump doesn't, but he is certainly looking like a candidate. Even though he's not going to Iowa, the money he's raising, the the education, he's now setting up a fund the school to board fund conservative yeah. school boards. I mean, think about that. You don't do that if you just want to be governor of Florida. Yeah, this is true. Uh, Brian, what's coming up on TV and radio today for you? Well, um, we're going to look at the recall on Gascon on TV, so we're going to kind of leave with that. It looks like they have enough signatures to do it. Amongst our guests, we have Bessie DeVos, got a brand-new book out. We're going to talk about education with her. Uh, Mark Thiessen's going to be live. I'm going to do a simulcast on the Harris Faulkner Show. You'll see on TV and radio, get a chance to see what uh, the studio looks like. And Margaret Cleveland wrote the most uh, most important column anyone, any conservative will read about the 1-6 committee, hmm. what the Republicans really should take out of this, that it isn't necessarily cheating, but focus on what governors did to trump their legislation Talk about the what happened with the mail-in voting with the Zuck Bucks and how they flipped districts on Trump, uh, the consolidation and the hiding of the Hunter Biden story and other major storylines to stop Trump. That's what happened in the last election, and that's what Trump should be saying. So for Republicans to say, I don't want to hear about the January 6th committee, you do want to hear about what happened in 2020, but you don't want to keep saying over and over again, these these uh, stories that cannot be verified about what happened in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Well, sounds like a couple of action-packed shows. Brian Kilmeade, it's always a treat to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, back at you, Frank. Best show. Thank Get you. The best show going. Keep it going. I appreciate that. Check Brian out at uh, 6 a.m. on uh, Fox and Friends. Obviously, keep it right here on uh, the other side of midnight and on uh, 770 a.m. because uh, you're going to want to listen to our boss, John Katsimatidis, as he's in with Bernard McGurk on the Bernie and Sid Show from 6 to 10. And uh, one of their special guests will be Bill O'Reilly. That is the highest rated segment of the entire week. So you're not going to want to miss that. We'll do 15 seconds of fame next. If you want to be heard, go ahead and call us 800. 800- 848-9222. Say whatever you like for 15 seconds. That's 1-800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.